0: Sometimes some of you ask for a handout or maybe some notes for um, what I preach on. If you're interested, on the there's a chair there as you exit this morning. If you're interested in notes, you can pick up a set. I was thinking about putting in the bulletin, but it uh, would have been more extensive than I really wanted. So we think about the songs we sang this morning. We think about prayer. I'm going to describe some individuals and then... I want you to think about, without not looking for a response, but how would you pray, or how should we pray for these individuals? We know that Gene Caesar is not doing well physically. Don't know how long he would have to live. How do you pray for Gene and joy? Scott and Darlene do okay financially. Scott has been at his job for 20 plus years now, I think. And overall, life would look fairly good for them. How do you pray for them? How do you pray for a student in school? Such as Ashley, who maybe struggles at times, other times does well. How do you pray for someone like Joe and Eunice, retired, I think have sufficient finances, able to go to Florida over winter? How do you pray for someone like Peggy with three kids that, uh, you know, like her attention? A husband, should I say he likes to be catered to? <laughs> you know... Boy, getting some laughs on that one. But how do you pray? And I could go on and give other examples of how do you pray. Let's take our Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to be reading Ephesians 1, 15 through 23 in a few moments. And keep in mind, there's always a background to Scripture. The church in Ephesus, Paul had gone there, he had ministered in the synagogues for three months, and things kind of fizzled out there. So he ended up ministering some two years beyond that. A church was established. He taught Scripture. And then we know that there was some other issues because Artemis was involved in worship, false worship, and things were made and sold for false worship, and that influenced... You know, some of the tradesmen in Ephesus, there was a riot. So there's some background to Ephesus. We know that they were maturing in faith and love. Later on, they drifted from their love, according to Revelation chapter 2. But in Ephesians 1 and verse 3, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for the saints, I've not stopped giving thanks to you, remembering you in my prayers, when he raised him from the dead and seated him in his right hand in the heavenly realms or above all rule and authority, power and dominion and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also the one to come. And God placed all th- things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Notice Paul says in verse 15, for this reason. For what reason? If you look at verses 3 through 14, you'll find that Paul has already written to them and said that you've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. You're going to be presented holy and blameless to God. He says you've been adopted as a child of God. In Christ, there's redemption. There is forgiveness according to verses 9 and 10, made known the mystery of God's will. It says you believers have been chosen for, God's, for the praise of God's glory. And he also says you've been marked with a seal, that seal being the Holy Spirit. <laughs> For this reason, in light of you're going to be presented holy and blameless, you've been adopted, you've been redeemed, you've been forgiven, and so on. In light of those spiritual blessings, he says, "I also I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for the saints. They were maturing. I've not stopped giving thanks for you and remembering you in my prayers. As we think about Paul's prayer here, I want you to think about spiritual blessings. The context of chapter 1, 3 through 14, determines how Paul prays in verses 15 through 23. He's writing to a redeemed people, forgiven people, those who are going to be presented to God holy and blameless, those who have been sealed with the Holy Spirit. He's talking about spiritual things, spiritual blessings in the heavenly realms. And he prays accordingly. He prays concerning the inner life, if you please, of the life of the Ephesians, not the outer circumstances or change in their circumstances. Spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. And he prays about the inner, the spiritual, for the believers in Ephesus. See, what happens inside, in the mind, the beliefs, the attitude to the desire and the will in a local church determines what happens on the outside. See, the way I live in my responses comes from what is inside. He begins with spiritual blessings and then he prays about where they are on the inside. The will of God for us, for believers, is to live from the inside out. From our minds, our beliefs, our attitudes, our will, our desires, living and responding to our circumstances. And as you look at this passage, the inner choices of acceptance of circumstances results in giving up a demand for a change in the outer circumstances. How often we want something outside to change, and God says, I want to deal with your inside first. He begins Ephesians with spiritual blessings. Of what value is a change in our outer circumstances if we have not known Christ in the previous circumstance? God, I want this to change, and it changes. But we didn't know Christ in the circumstance. Of oh, what value is the change? If we didn't know Christ where we are and the circumstance changes, of oh, what value is it? We didn't know Christ then? We probably won't know or experience him when a change takes place. In reality, we have become more selfish, dependent upon self, and moved from Christ. So you're going through a difficulty and you say, God, change it. And he changes it. But you didn't know him in the difficulty. And what benefit is the change? You're going through a good time. And most people in a good time don't say, God, change it. (laughs) But if you didn't know God in the good time and your good circumstance kind of went downhill to not so good, If you didn't know him in a good time you probably won't know him very well in the next word next experience outward change in circumstances which comes before inward choices to experience spiritual blessings results in a growing self-sufficiency and a demanding spirit We may have a change in outward circumstances, but if we're not experiencing the spiritual blessings, then we'd become more dependent upon self. Paul's entire prayer in Ephesians 1 springs from spiritual blessings in the heavenly realms. Its entire focus is in the unseen circumstances of the heart, not the outward or seen circumstances. There's no mention of the outer circumstances in Paul's prayer. Dependency upon Christ in the inner person is foundational. Of what eternal value is a change in our outward circumstances if it was not preceded by a choice to experience our spiritual blessings? So Paul says, for this reason, spiritual blessings, I heard about your faith, they were living out their walk with God, they had love for one another, he says, I've not stopped giving thanks for you, thankful for people, thankful for the believers in Ephesus, and remembering you in my prayers. I find it interesting in verse 7 17, I keep asking, when did Paul pray? Apparently, it was continuous. I keep asking. This wasn't a one-time prayer. I'm continuing to ask. Who's he asking? The God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father. Paul is talking to God, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, if we're believers in Christ, the glorious Father. Now, in that context, think about God as the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In Romans 5, Paul says, You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man. Though for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Paul's talking to the God of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ is the one who died for our sins. God sent Christ. And Christ became the propitiation for our sins, the satisfaction for our sins. God gave Christ. God is also the glorious Father, unlike many earthly fathers. God's a glorious Father and stands in contrast many times to earthly fathers. Now, what has God done as a father? For the believer in Christ, He gives spiritual blessings in the heavenly realms, which enable one to live enables one to live godly in all circumstances. Now think about a father, earthly father, who gives in an unseen realm. Not merely the seen realm. Earthly fathers tend to give outward things. Maybe it's money, maybe it's tools or toys, <clears throat> clothing which may hinder and destroy the development of a dependency upon God and of Christ and of spiritual blessings. God gives unseen spiritual blessings for the inner person. Earthly fathers... Are we giving unseen blessings to our children? And I'm not saying it's wrong to provide and give material things. That's not my point. But if we only give that to the exclusion of the inner, what happens? I may have shared this before, but I think it bears repeating. Ruthann and I were living in Chattanooga. We were, when I say dirt poor, we were dirt poor. And one Christmas, we didn't have a, a nickel to buy any gifts for anyone in the family. And I thought, well, for my dad, I'll give him something on scene, not something material. So I wrote him a letter, at least six pages long, and you know, the eight and a half by 11 notebook paper. And I wrote him a letter, and I just said, Dad, I want to thank you for this. I want to thank you for that. Here's a quality you taught me and so on. I'm saying, Dad, thanks for being a dad that gave me unseen things. That's what Jesus or what God is doing. Paul says, I'm praying to the glorious Father who gives spiritual blessings in an unseen way. As earthly fathers, I pray that we will learn and grow in leading our children, our grandchildren to rest in spiritual blessings. Yes, we may give things seen, and I'm not saying that's wrong, but let's model our heavenly Father and give unseen blessings. Let's take a moment and just stop and pray. Father, those of us here who are fathers and grandfathers, work in our lives that we grow in understanding the spiritual blessings that you have given to us. The unseen, the blessings in the heavenly realms. May we have understanding of how to share with our children and our grandchildren unseen blessings. Helping them to understand what they can have in Christ or what they do have in Christ. To understand that there's more to life than the seen. And as we may give them material things, may we help them not to find joy and contentment in them, but in you, and to use those seen things for your glory. We desire that, Father, for your glory. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Paul says, I continue to pray for you. And how does he pray? that the glorious Father may give you, that is the believers in Ephesus, and I think we can make it applicable to us today also, a spirit of wisdom and revelation. He talks about the Spirit. In light of the text, I think it's referring to the Holy Spirit. Now, I realize in verses 13 and 14, he'd already said, you've been given the Spirit as a deposit guaranteeing your future inheritance. Here he seems to be saying, I want you to have a Spirit, that is the Holy Spirit, Where there's growth, there's expanding in the sense that you have wisdom. I'm praying that you might have the spirit of wisdom. And the idea of wisdom is a practical prudence that is, the ability to see the outcome of a plan before it is implemented. I want you to grasp in a practical way what it means to be adopted as a son or a daughter of God and how that looks in day-by-day living. I want you to see what it means to have forgiveness of sin and what that looks like in day-by-day living. And I'll give an example in just a few moments. I want you to have a practical ability to take these spiritual blessings and live them out. With your husband, with your wife, with your children, with your parents, with your coworker, with other students. See, the idea involving practical prudence is it sees the problems, the difficulties, the strengths, the weaknesses before you walk into it. Practical prudence acts slowly, not impulsively, so that all options can be weighed. Involved in it is a thinking, a considering, a pondering. Paul says, I'm praying this for you. I'm praying that God will give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation. And the idea of revelation is a disclosure, a manifestation. Why? Why is Paul praying that? So that you may know him better. The idea of know is to be certain to experience a personal acquaintance. Does anyone here know President Obama? Anyone here know President Obama? We know about him, we know he's our president, but I don't think any of us know him. We're not personally acquainted with him. We haven't sat down and talked to him. We haven't interacted with him. So if I were to say, do you know Pastor Dan? Probably many of you would say, yeah, I know Pastor Dan. There's an acquaintance. There's a practical knowledge. And he is saying, I'm praying that God might give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you might know, experience, be acquainted with God. That is, with him. God who gives spiritual blessings in the heavenly realms. You might know him. You might experience him in moment, by moment living. God wanted the Ephesians to have God to be real in their moment-by-moment living, to have this practical knowledge of being adopted, being sealed with the Holy Spirit, and what it looks like in life. Now let's take an example of what an answer to Paul's prayer might look look like. In Ephesians 1, In verse 4, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. How many times do we as individuals dwell on how we may have sinned or blew it? I did this yesterday. I did this this morning. We dwell on our sin. Or we dwell on how terrible we are. You consider the end result of that. Where does that take you? Takes you away from God. Takes you towards bitterness. And it leads to a sin-centered life rather than a Christ-centered life. Paul says, I'm praying that you might have a spirit of wisdom and understanding to see what it looks like in life. You're criticized from others. Others direct criticism to you. You ever been criticized? You ever been tore down? How long did it take you to get over that? About 10 seconds. Plus a few minutes, plus a few hours, plus a few days. Sometimes it depends who criticizes so Paul prays that the believers in Ephesus would have a spirit of wisdom and understanding to recognize that that criticism for the believer in Christ does not stand because God has already says, I'm going, to be, I'm going to present you holy and blameless before me. So you can choose to let it go. You're critical of another believer. You know, you tear someone else down wisdom and understanding to grasp that God doesn't accept that. So you're having a husband and wife or family squabble, maybe with your kids or your parents, and you end up criticizing and tearing one another down. And then you think, ah, oh, yeah, a pastor prayed Sunday morning that God might give me a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that I might know God better. I'm tearing someone down. And that criticism doesn't stand before God because they're going to be presented to God holy and blameless. I've got to quit this. See, that wisdom and understanding enables, to rec- enables us to recognize that dwelling on ourselves or criticizing another person results in bitterness and self-centeredness. So we choose to put off Incorrect thinking we choose to put on the fact that I've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. I'm going to be presented to God holy and blameless. Take another example. For the believer in Christ, redemption, being bought out of slavery to sin and forgiveness. Paul's praying that they might grasp they might understand in a practical way what this looks like in life. Well, think about humility versus pride, gentleness versus bitterness, patience versus demanding. We've been redeemed, we've been bought from slavery to sin, we've been forgiven all our sins, that humbly, we humbly come to God and say, God, I need you to live my life. I don't have the ability. Work through me. So when Paul says in Ephesians 4 and verse 2 also, being gentle. For you guys, when you drive down the road, and that driver in front of you is poking along, or that driver cuts you off, you say, boy, that was nice he did that. Won't say what you might think. How about gentleness? Gentleness accepts that. So you honk the horn and you give you a few words through your mind at least, and about 30 seconds later you think, Pastor, pray that I might have a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that I might know God better. I wasn't knowing God very good in that circumstance. God, that bitterness was not very good. I really get angry at that driver. And for your ladies, your kids come in the house. You've just cleaned with muddy shoes. And you say, bless you. <coughs> really? You just get done eating. And the kids say, what's around here to eat? <coughs> you just get done eating. You think, gentleness. I want to know Christ in this circumstance. Knowing Christ. In Ephesians 4, he talks about speaking the truth. If I've been redeemed and I've been forgiven, then I can share truth with others. So probably after church, some of you will say to one another, how are you doing today? And probably many of us will say, good. really are we willing to say i'm not so good and speak the truth because we've been redeemed we've been forgiven paul prays you might grasp that and he also prays or not he prays that there might be a spirit of wisdom and understanding but in ephesians 4 he talks about forgiveness forgiveness So his prayer is, I want you to grasp that God has forgiven you so that you can forgive others as you have been forgiven. We need that spirit of wisdom and understanding sometimes to grasp that. How many of us have carried unforgiveness? Around for a couple seconds? A couple minutes? I've run into people that have carried unforgiveness For years, they weren't willing to forgive and restore a relationship. Spirit of wisdom and understanding grasped what that looks like in daily living. We wrap it up. How do you pray for someone like Joy and Jean? Lord, may they have a spirit of wisdom and revelation that they might know you, experience you in the process of what Gene is going through. How do you pray for someone like Scott and Darlene? They might have a spirit of wisdom and revelation as things go well in life. How do you pray for a student, whether it be Ashley or a or a Ben or a Charlie? They might have a spirit of wisdom and revelation to experience Christ. Know Christ. How do you pray for a Joe and a Eunice that in the midst of their retirement they might have a spirit of wisdom and revelation? Dealing with the inside, how do you pray for a mother like Peggy? A spirit of wisdom and revelation that she might know Christ. Or you can go beyond that. But I think that's a very, very good place to begin. Father, teach us to pray. Teach us to grasp your concern, as Paul reveals in Ephesians 1 as we pray for others. Thank you, Father, for all that we have in Christ, and as we reflect in Christ through communion we went to glory in all that we have through him in Christ's name, amen as we think about communion the glorious father gave Christ think about the past that in the past, Christ, life his death, his resurrection his payment for sin, that's past think about also in the present we have Christ as our high priest. He's our life. We have body life with other believers through Christ. But also think about the future. One day in the future, we're going to be holy, blameless. We're going to be with Christ. We're going to be free from sin. If you, As we partake of communion, think past. Think present. Think future. But all centered in Christ and what we have in him. Again, if you're a believer in Christ, more than welcome to partake of communion. Ask the men to come forward, please.